Hey everyone, welcome to But Why the Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, we wanted to make sure that you take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes or wherever you listen. It's the easiest way for people to find us and it helps us hear your feedback. Beyond that, come and join our conversation on Twitter at ButWhyThoughPC and on Facebook, facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And if you like what you're doing and you want to support us a little more, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And if a monthly subscription is too much for you, make sure you check out our t-shirts. We have t-shirts open on TeePublic and available for purchase on our website through the merch tab, ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, and today we are talking about Jessica Jones in honor of Jessica Jones season two coming out on Netflix this week. As always, I'm your host Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And uh, just a quick thing: we're all recording in the same room today. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I, I is here. I'm sure they can really tell the difference. Well, I would hope because it probably sounds a little bit better because we're all one level. Yeah. Because sometimes Adrian's up here, and then we're yeah. really down here. Yeah. So do we get to blame you for that? No, blame you whisper. My amazing microphone. Yes. With multiple settings that I have no idea how to use. Don't worry, we have multiple <laughs> settings too, but we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, we are talking about Jessica Jones, who is a fairly young superhero, like years wise, so far as how long she's been in comics and stuff. Um, so it's just a really simple question because she's pretty much an unknown. So did you guys know anything about her? From when? From, I guess, like, do you know her story? And when did you find it out, if you do know? I mean, are we talking including the Netflix show or not? Yeah, because the Netflix show is kind of what set her character off. And, like, kind of let everybody know her. Like most Marvel things. I had no idea about Jessica Jones before I watched the Netflix series. I didn't even watch the Netflix series until, like, Dare, like right before Daredevil came out. Because I was like, oh, you got to catch up on... I hear this Netflix Marvel stuff is pretty good. <laughs> so I watched it. And, yeah, I think, I think her character's dope. And then I started, you know, listening to Kate talk about her other backstory stuff. So... I really know nothing outside of season one and then Defenders, so. Um, I knew she existed, <laughs> and she was in some of the uh, Marvel video games. Or at least she wasn't really a playable character, but she, like, there was mention. She was one of those people that sit in, like, the main headquarters huh. and you could talk to sometimes, or she was in the computer. I didn't know that. But that's about it. Was she drunk? No. Ah, oh, unplayable. Chunk <laughs> <laughs> bar fright is a necessity that's about all i knew that she existed um so for me 
I read all of Alias, kind of, sort of. I mean, I read it in parts when Jessica Jones was coming out on Netflix. Then I watched the Netflix show. Um, but I really didn't know too much about her outside of that. I just knew that this was a hero that Marvel decided to say, hey, nobody knows you. We're going to take a, I, I want to say take a chance on the show, but it kind of knocked it out of the park. Which we do have a Marvel Netflix show, which you can go back and listen to after this one. Um, because primarily in this episode, I'm going to focus on her comic arc and how that plays into everything and how she's been situated within the comics. Because a lot of her, but why those are there. Um, so yeah, Jessica Campbell Jones Cage is a fictional superhero, as are most people we cover, who is in her own comic books published by Marvel, and she is a character who is created by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. And this is, Bendis has like kind of a hit or miss like standing when it comes to comic book creations, and Jessica Jones is kind of one of those characters that people are extremely thankful that Bendis created. Um, she is a former superhero who becomes the owner and sole employee of Alias Private Investigations, and throughout her superhero career, she has gone by Jewel, Nitrous, and Power Woman. Those um, are some pretty bad names. They're really bad names. <laughs> Nitrous ain't that bad. I can. I just think of Fast and the Furious. Oh, now I'm thinking of Fast and the Furious. <laughs> what makes me like it even more? She's got to go fast. I think of a knight of a suit of armor. Like, she's running around looking like a medieval knight. That is all I think of. Yeah, so, like, Nitrous was her darker timeline. I mean, better than Power Woman. Power Woman sounds lame. Well, I mean, I wasn't saying it was the worst. Uh, well, I'm saying Nitrous is the best. It's my favorite one of the three mentioned. I mean, I mean, she had pink hair and a white spandex suit when she was Jewel. Yeah, see, I, I don't like that. Give me Nitrous. Nitrous. <laughs> Now I'm, thinking of, now I'm thinking of, like, her... No too. <laughs> now that I wish, like, Michelle Rodriguez would have played her. And like, <laughs> would have just been her name. Nitrous. It would have worked out really well. Um, and so for those of you listening at home to try and distinguish Nitrous, Nitress from Nitrous, um, it's spelled K-N-I-G-H-T-R-E-S. Nitrous Oxide. <laughs> Nitrous. Put some, put some respect on her name. Nitress. 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 But to give a little bit of character backstory, like we always do, um, Bendis actually originally envisioned her being a series uh, based on Jessica Drew. Do y'all know who Jessica Drew is? Sounds familiar. No. Spider Woman. Oh. So Matt probably hates her. Accurate. <laughs> she. <laughs> Get him, Twitter. Get him. Um, so she is one of the Spideys, and um, initially he had wanted her to be in this story, um, but then Marvel actually had her lined up to be the Queen of the Scroll in Secret Invasion, so she cannot be put into any other stories. Um, so she was actually created in 2001, so she's only been around for 17 years, compared to every other comic book character that we've covered on this show, which span 50 to 60 plus so she is by far the newest except the punisher which is only about 30 plus oh yeah the punisher yeah but still younger than him not by much though 
Wait, yes. Never yeah. Mind. Never <laughs> mind. I'm thinking, I, th- I saw something else. Never mind. He's been around double the time yeah. she has. <laughs> um, so, as we kind of go through this stuff, um, there was a little bit of hesitation initially, kind of thinking that Jessica Drew was going to inform a lot of what he was doing, but Bendis was ultimately able to give Jones this distinguished voice outside of anything revolving around Spider-Woman. Um, and on a Marvel po- Comics podcast, Bendis actually expressed his desire to incorporate Jones into the parallel universe um, of the Ultimate Marvel imprint, um, specifically in Ultimate Spider-Man number 106, where she appears at Peter Parker's school. And a lot of her background inside Marvel, the Marvel Universe itself, she is actually friends with Peter Parker. She did end up having a crush on Peter Parker, and they went to the same high school. Um, she faced a lot of the bullying and stuff from Flash Thompson like he did and she was ostracized and when her parent died he kind of took to her like we're both orphans (laughs) essentially Um, but I'm really happy that the stuff I know is not from the Ultimate imprint and it is actually from the Max imprint because I don't like Ultimates Um, yeah So, uh, Jones has starred in three ongoing series um, for herself, so where she's the focus, um, Alias, The Pulse, and Jessica Jones. So, Um, what question, does Alias have anything to do, or anywhere close to the actual show Alias? With Jennifer, with Elektra? Jennifer Garner? No. No idea who plays it, but... No, it has nothing to do with Alias. And that's actually why they ended up not making a show for her called Alias. Because they initially, a while ago, around the same time that Alias was on TV, they wanted to run her by Well, that's why I was like, I thought that was the same time frame. Yeah, it was the exact same time frame. And they realized that was not a good idea. Um, And that's why when they were naming this show, they went through what we can call it alias. Well, that doesn't really work. And then they wanted to do AKA Jessica Jones as like a nod to alias, you know, also known as alias. Um, But they opted just for going with her name as the title. And then all of the episodes, fun facts, all the episodes start with AKA um, as a nod. And then, of course, as Adrian mentioned earlier, it's the name of her investigation company in the show yeah I'm learning we're all <laughs> learning together folks just put two and two together <laughs> um so like i said uh you have alias the pulse and jessica jones which are her solo series alias and jessica jones um the latter being the one that's running currently are both more adult in nature while the pulse is something that is more readable by a wider range of audiences which means a lot of her experiences are toned down and a lot of her um at least from what i've seen a lot of the way her background is touched on isn't as intricate as it is in other in other offshoots um just because they don't have the availability to do that um so alias itself started in november 2001 and it ended in 2004 and it ran for a total of 28 issues so it's actually a pretty easy read if you want to get into it and i would recommend reading the alias series if you are new to jessica jones you want to watch season two um, and you don't have time to binge season one alias gives you a lot of the background that you do need to know going um going in um her trauma, her experiences with the Purple Man, um, and a little bit of like extra flair with Luke Cage because more happens in Alias than the actual show. 
So it's an easy place to start. And Marvel Unlimited is like $9.99 a month and you get a whole bunch of comics. So I would recommend that. Um, after that, she is in The Pulse, where Bendis pulled a lot of the characters from Alias down um, into this series, and it ran for 14 issues from April of 2004 to May of 2006. And then Jessica Jones, her solo title, um, which is ending in two issues, I believe, as of right now, debuted in October 2016. Um, she's also a member of the New Avengers alongside Luke Cage. Um, her husband and uh, I actually did know that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We're on the same page. Um, and this is actually called Marvel's Heroic Age, um, which is 2010, and she lasted the entire series from 2010 to 2013. But for a lot, a lot of the stuff, she's like kind of an Avenger in every team that she's associated with, whether it's New Avengers or Mighty Avengers. And I'll explain a little bit why she's kind of and not fully dedicated like everybody else. Um, she has reasons. <sighs> so how did she get her powers? What exactly are her powers? Now I'm going to tell you. So on the way home from Disneyland, her her parents and her brother, I believe, they're not named in the comics. So one question, though. Yeah. This background for where she gets her powers, what year is this from? This is from Alias. It's meta as shit, right? (laughs) 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 Disneyland. It is from before. They should have, like, they need to... Yeah, fuck, I didn't realize that. You need to canonize Disneyland in our MCU, uh, for one, and put that in season two. That's what I hope happens in season two of Jessica Jones. I hope they put this car crash and... She's in there with like little Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah. Well, they already put it in season one. Oh, it, 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 but like, it's not Disneyland. Oh, Sadly. Oh, that sucks. New memory at Disneyland. At Disneyland, <laughs> just just in the background. Give the same oh. scene in a flashback. Yeah. But with Mickey Mouse ears. But with Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah. They can CGI mustache. They can CGI Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, they can do it. Um. Fuck, I didn't notice that when I was writing these notes. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to get to that part. Come on, let's get there. So we can talk about how meta this is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's in a car with her parents on vacation. They're driving back from Disneyland. Um, Tony Stark actually gave them the tickets. Um, and it's her parents, her little brother in the car, and the car collides with a military, a military convoy, which is carrying radioactive chemicals. Her entire family is killed, and she spends several months in a coma. Also, poor Jessica Jones is in a coma a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. So why did Tony Stark give them tickets? Of uh, the parents' company. Like, they worked there. Is that in the show? I haven't watched Jessica Jones. That's not in the show. So yeah, I haven't watched Jessica Jones, like, since, like, the first... Uh, Daredevil season came out, so I don't... Yeah, so in the show, it's just her family getting ready to go on a vacation. They go on a vacation, and they crash. She's in a coma. She comes out, and she has powers. And she that knows that it so happens cool from the crash. That would be so cool to put in there, too. Like, Tony giving the You know what's also yeah. funny, about just bring it in so well. That, that needs to happen. You they know what? For a D-list, three sure does seem to be related <laughs> to every single person we talk about. If you would like to know more about Matt's passion about Iron Man, you can check out our Patreon review of the first Iron Man movie for three dollars. Yeah, he yeah. He went D-lister off. D-lister yeah. given yeah. tickets. Yeah, D-lister wouldn't give Jessica wouldn't be the reason Jessica Jones gets her powers. <laughs> um. So anyway, 
as we move through this. Um, what was I say? Yeah, so she's in a coma a whole bunch. Um, this is one of the first of many, mainly because although this radioactive chemicals give him give her super strength, they only give her slight invulnerability. Um, so she can still be wounded, she can still be shot, she's still going to get hurt. It just takes a little bit more effort. So whereas her parallel and paramour, Luke Cage, has unbreakable skin and is super strong, she's just super strong, so she can't be as, you know, willy-nilly with so the snashing, smashing through stuff. So based on that, is, is Luke Cage really her parallel? Or would it be like Captain America more of her parallel? Captain America would probably be more her parallel. I just meant because like they're a couple and they're both super super strong. Okay. Which is another great point of the first season because they make them fight and it's a really great thing to see. She just wants to talk about them banging. Yeah, I know. That's where she was gonna go. With <laughs> There's baby making later on in this episode. But I digress. Um. So. Uh, she discovers that this radi- radiation. Um, like I said, gives her super strength, limited invulnerability, but she also has flight, um, which she doesn't have in the show, and she does make a reference to it saying that it's not necessarily flying so much as it is jumping really, really high. So think original Superman who jumps. She can do that. Um, but in the comics, while she is an active superhero, she has pretty good use of her flight. But as she stops being a superhero and leaves that life around, that's one of the things that just completely leaves her. Um, which, when she becomes active with the Avengers again, she gets akin to flying again. But it's kind of one of those, like, use it or lose it type things. Yeah, cool they're not flying. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I think it'd make her character, like, out of, like, the Defenders, like, level, yeah. like, B-list plane. Yeah, because she is a street hero, and she's yeah. defined as a street hero in all of these things, even when she is flying. And there is—I don't know too much about it, but there, like, the reason she's called Jewel is because she is able to shoot, kind of like Jubilee. You know, Jubilee shoots mm-hmm. out those little sparks. She can shoot out um, light. Yeah, I like that idea. But she, yeah, it doesn't really get used. <laughs> right, can we so get like, past this one? Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, well, like, flying this... and being able to shoot stuff with your hands automatically makes you, like, above everybody in Defenders. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, this isn't how anybody knows her characters. And when her character is in fights, like, Jessica Jones, as we know her, after she's left the persona of Jewel, um, she doesn't do any of this. She is just raw emotion and brute, brute strength. Um, so after she leaves that mantle behind, she ends up losing all of that. And a lot of it just has to do with a lot of the psychological effects that she has from her time being a superhero and what led to her leaving. So as we move into this, as we move out of her little origin story, I want to talk a lot about Alias as the comic, because this is kind of quintessential Jessica Jones. And this is what people read. This is what people identify with when they say they identify with, with Jessica Jones. Um, and in this, she comes off being known as Jewel. And the thing is, as Jewel, Jones is really uneventful as a superhero. She doesn't really do anything. Um, she's just kind of there, couple wins, you know, just nothing big. You know, she's not big time. Um, and then she walks into a disturbance in a restaurant. And she witnesses, his name Zebediah in the comics, um, Zebediah Kilgrave, the, also known as a Purple Man, tell everybody inside the restaurant to stop breathing. 
and that's kind of where it first hits her, the power that he has. Um, and then Bendis hits you with the power manipulation and like the trauma that she's about to face. Um, because when she first comes up against Purple Man, um, he does tell her to strip. And so, and he tells her that a lot. Um, there is obviously a lot of psychological abuse and stuff like this that comes from her, but the main thing that he ends up using her for, other than pretty much just torching her, um, she, he ends up using her as his own, like, personal wrecking ball and his own personal criminal aid. Like, she is his muscle. He doesn't get his hands dirty. She does. Um, and the weird thing is, is like he has control over her for about eight months. And in this eight months, he actually makes her think that she's living in a comic and that she is doing stuff so that her readers will be happy. Um, and a lot of that is focused around him. Yeah, the guy's kind of a dick. <laughs> but he's so compelling. <laughs> Not in the comic but at he's a all. Dick. Yeah, so the difference between, like, and we'll talk about this at the end when we talk about Kilgrave as a villain, but, like, the difference between um, what they did with him in the show is they did make him compelling. In the comic, he is just straight bad. Like, there is nothing compelling about him. Oh, yeah, then I would have hated him. Then. Yeah, like, everything about him is about the torture that Jessica receives. Um, so essentially one of the things that she does attest to in Alias is like kind of like this gray area of whether or not he raped her. But the main thing that does happen is he, he makes her watch as he does that to other women. So like she goes through a lot of shit. Um, so as she ends up kind of trying to fly away from him. So the way Kilgrave works is because he was kind of, he was exposed to a neurotoxin. And so it has to do with radius. And the longer you're with him, the farther away you have to run to get out of his pool and out of his control. And so as she's flying away um, and is about to leave, she ends up attacking Scarlet Witch, who in like the sun kind of looks like Daredevil, um, who Purple Man has told her to kill. And uh, she ends up attacking her, and then the vision knocks the crap out of her, puts her in a coma, and uh, Carol Danvers ends up saving her. Um, because in this series, Carol Danvers and her are really close friends, because as Jones is going through a lot of the rebuilding from the trauma of Kilgrave, she depends on alcohol. She, she depends on self-medicating and distancing herself off. And actually, Carol Danvers herself is a recovered alcoholic, and so she's able to have this friendship. And in this show, actually, uh, Trish Walker's character takes on a lot of the characteristics that Carol Danvers has in her comic. Um, so that might be a good touchstone for you, Adrian, to kind of think about how her dynamic works with a friend. Like she has one friend, <laughs> and that's about I'm it. I'm just thinking, like, like we're at a point. Like, if they wanted to do that story, like they could have done that. Like they can. We, we're, we're there. You could yeah. put Scarlet Witch and all these people in one and one thing. <laughs> you you could put. It's a good time. No, when I when I was writing this, I'm like, all of these people are in the universe right now. I know they could have done this. She There's also. Time. She also, um, so she also sleeps around a lot, and a lot of people have used this to kind of, like, show that it, it, like, this detachment was formed because of a lot of the sexual trauma she had from Kilgrave, from Kilgrave, um, but she does try to form some meaningful relationships as well, and Carol Danvers actually sets her up with Scott Lang, 
who is also in the universe. Yeah, they could do all of this. <laughs> Make it happen. Um, and so as she's going through the recovery process, um, she actually sits down with Jean Grey, one of the most famous X-Men, who ends up placing kind of these walls in her head. So if you think back to the X-Men 90s cartoon, when she's doing a lot of the work with Rogue, um, partitioning off Carol Danvers, that's a lot of what she does here. She kind of puts like this nice barrier around Jessica's mind. The only thing is, is Jessica has to activate it herself. So it's there, but it only comes into play when she realizes it. And so um, Kilgrave ends up coming back into her life um, in the last four issues, and she realizes that this has happened. But before that, um, she's pretty much the most demoralized and depressed superhero, and this is why she stops considering herself a superhero, opens up a private eye business, and what happens is that nobody really knew she was gone. And he made her believe that nobody cared that she was gone either. Now, it's not necessarily true, but she's existing in this complete bubble of isolation that happens a lot when you're coming out of an abusive relationship or in an abusive relationship. Um, So she has a big rebuilding process. And when she kind of decides to get back in the streets and fighting again, uh, she becomes nitrous. Yo, the Nitrous name is so much better now. (laughs) Now we have the history behind Nitrous Matt. Admit admit that it's awesome. (laughs) What does she look like when she's Nitrous? I don't know, actually. A knight in shiny armor. (laughs) That's gold with pink highlights. She does have pink hair as a jewel. That's pretty dope. I'm I'm down with that. She kind of looks like Daredevil. Yeah, I like that. Kind of looks pretty bad. (laughs) Um, but her and Daredevil do have the same stomping grounds. Yeah. Obviously. So why wouldn't she look like that? Um, so here is also where you get this, like, lasting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is where you get, like, this lasting relationship with Luke Cage as well. And Luke Cage is actually a dick to her, um, a lot of the time until she realizes that Kilgrave has come back. And she actually realizes he's come back because a woman comes up to her and says, hey, I need you to take my case. And she's like why am I going to take your case? He's like, just, just try it. She goes back to the woman's apartment. There are 30 different, mostly different people, but mostly women in that room saying, we want to take down Kilgrave. And it turns out that they had been going to the Avengers with this and they kept getting turned away. So like Jessica Jones is like the last hope. And so she decides to do that. And so the night before her big standoff, she ends up, she ends up getting really, really freaking drunk, running over to Luke Cage and pretty much just yelling that he's never going to be as good as Daredevil. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird. Um, And he just, like, he kind of breaks down. He doesn't break down, but, like, he breaks down that wall between him and her and stops being such a dick. And so he just puts her to sleep. And when when, when she wakes up and they talk in the morning, she breaks down to him. And for the first time, there is a character in this universe that exists knowing all of her trauma Um, because, because she tells him. And from that point on, they have a super long friendship. Um, And eventually this leads to them, you know, getting it on and making a baby. (laughs) Um, Because they they admit their feelings to each other and she ends the comic uh, being pregnant. And that's how it ends. And so essentially it goes into her making a normal life after this point. There's a lot more to it, so I probably missed a lot. Um, Don't at me. It's a great comic, and I want to talk about a lot of it. Um, side note and fun fact, she's really good friends and does a lot of work with Ben Ulrich. Not in the 
Exactly. <laughs> Not in the Netflix show. Because you did. <laughs> um, so, the, the, but, the first but why I want to bring in is the idea of family. Because when it comes to families and, like, marriages in the MCU, there kind of aren't a lot that last. And it's kind of really sad. But that's not Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage do last. They have their stumbles, but they last. And so in The Pulse, it's kind of centered around her coming back to this normal life. And you see a lot of her life through Luke's eyes. And then you also see her through her pregnancy. And a lot of it is focusing on protecting their new daughter, Danielle, who is named after Danny Rand, Luke's best friend. Now you lost me. Yep. Well, no, I kind of knew. <laughs> so I did know they were married, which also kind of was weird when they portrayed it in the show of like how they're doing with Luke Cage, which was kind of yeah. I didn't understand. So like going back and rewatching the the Jessica Jones show, her, their dynamic together is so freaking good, um, and I totally see it as Endgame because it progresses really well. Yeah, right. Like when he comes back, they they kind of have like some moments, right? Mm-hmm. Was it in, in Defenders? Defenders? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to like remember watching Defenders, but like, yeah, they they set it up. And Missy, she, at the she, end, they set it up. And Misty yeah. actually hates her. Yeah, they're, they're not. He, she's not ending it with Misty Knight. No way. Yeah. If they do, it's a, it's a damn shame. They already they already got together, and Misty was like, "Nah, I'm done." Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Why are we talking about Misty again? Huh? Because like the show sets up like Mist like him Luke and Misty. Cage like, sets like, Luke, up. Yeah, Luke yeah. Cage is like him and Misty. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. The, the end is him and Rosario. The yeah. beginning is him and Misty, oh. and then the end yeah, is him the, and Rosario. Well, Luke Cage is banging a bunch of people. Well, okay. the Defenders, literally, he's with uh, Claire. Oh, yeah, Claire, yeah. yeah. But then it, yeah. like, the he last... He bangs a bunch of people. But the... <laughs> it's not my fault I can't keep all of this straight. <laughs> but the last episode of Defenders, to your point, Adrian, does end with him in yes, the diner the last talking episode. about the incident. Because essentially what happens is... Kilgrave convinces Luke to fight her, and then he ends up shooting himself in the head with a shotgun, um, which causes a concussion, which mm-hmm. causes swelling in the brain. And Claire, of Claire course, gets her. brought in to save him. Um, and then from that point, they don't see each other. She'll do more eventually, hopefully. Um, so as we move through it, Civil War, she is a participant. Um, Luke is the main one because he actually takes up for the anti-registration side with Cap, but her... Yes. What she does is she actually ends up fleeing to Canada once she realizes that it's not safe enough for Dan- for her baby Danny. Um, and then in Se- Secret Invasion, you also have a lot of a lot to that same points um, where Jessica there. There's a lot of Jessica taking the baby away from this, but also not informing Luke. And in Secret Evasion, which if you don't know what Secret Evasion is, there's been a whole bunch of body doubled scrolls who are not the real people and the fight about it this one's freaky it is really freaky because it's body snatchers um but the thing is here and i really want to make it clear is not only family important to jessica's arc in in these storylines by her protecting her daughter you also need to understand that luke is an amazing father Like, this is a loving family unit in a way that we really don't see a whole bunch in the MCU. And what happens in Secret Invasion is that they actually go through a separation because Luke is pissed that she took his daughter and did not tell him where where they were going. Um, 
the baby ends up getting taken away and stolen and then uh, Jessica ends up fighting the scroll to bring her baby back with the help of Iron Fist, Fantastic Four, Bucky, and the new Avengers and Luke eventually gets the baby from um, Harry Osborn and yeah. There's All a lot this of could stuff. happen. They could literally <laughs> do Secret Invasion. They could literally do There are do plans it. for Secret Invasion. Just without Fantastic Four because <laughs> reasons. Just reboot it in the, yeah. the thing. Don't do a whole other movie. But you could definitely do Secret Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> We got to get past getting bitch slapped by uh, Thanos first. But essentially, what this leads to happen is once Luke saves the baby, he realizes that this isn't a place for a child, and they reconcile and gives the baby back to Jessica to take. Um, so, essentially, what happens in the heroic age is that they realize they need a superpowered nanny to watch over the baby, and Squirrel Girl takes care of her. That's oh. the nanny. Um, oh. And then uh, she resumes being Jewel. Um, for the new Avengers and keeping you know that on the side and this is where I said she's an auxiliary member and not a real member because a lot of her stuff has to do with being a mother to Danny as well Um, so she has this progression from this really flawed character and damaged character who doesn't believe that she can love or is deserving of it into a character who has a very loving life and provides love for her daughter um, which is a really great arc to see um, and you see her having that, you know, she can't, like, her her trauma doesn't make her not normal once um, she fights through it, which is really good, great to see an arc, which is why I brought this up as a but why, though. Um, so she does, so I wanted to bring this up. She takes up the name Power Woman to honor Luke, who is Power Man, and also because she wants to set a role model for her daughter, um, and Power Woman kind of sounds a little bit better than Jewel. <laughs> Not by much, yeah, but... <laughs> it's not just as bad as Power Man. Like, they're both... This is true. <laughs> they're both pretty not good. This is very true. Um, what would, like... What would Luke Cage's be? What, what's his equivalent to Jewel? I have no idea. Diamond. I, I can't think of, like, a manly-sounding <laughs> gem. I can't either. Um, anyway. Um, so, in the New Avengers arc and this area, Luke Cage makes the Mighty Avengers, and uh, she doesn't like this. Because obviously, why the hell are you making an Avengers team, Luke, when you have a baby daughter that you got to take care of? <laughs> Don't be bringing hell down on you. I mean, there's a whole bunch here. I can go into the Superior Spider-Man stuff, but I mean, it's not really necessary. I think you listening at home and you guys here at the table can get like family and motherhood is something that's actually really important to Jessica's character and something that you wouldn't get out of just watching the TV show. Um, yes. Because yet. Oh, yes, we'll yes. Um, but it, it just shows that it shows her in recovery, um, because a lot of talk around Jessica Jones, and rightfully so, is on the impact she has for going through her trauma. Um, but there is light after that trauma, and I think that sends a really important message for people who have been on that end um, that there is a like there is a way. There's there's a brighter day at the end. I'm sending. Um, so we talked about the show on our defenders episode and or on our we've talked about the show on our on marvel netflix episode and we've kind of talked about the show throughout here so i don't know how much time to spend um but really what i want to touch on is the show is being about why though is the show is held as probably one of the best stories in the marvel netflix universe when it's voted upon like arrow season um, four. Oh god uh, i hate that podcast um I hate that podcast, and I'm probably going to leave that in because they suck. 
Um, but it is it is heralded as one of the best shows on Netflix for the Marvel Universe. And a lot of it has to do with the writing, and a lot of it has to do with the writing of trauma, PTSD, abuse, and seeing yourself through it. And that is done largely because this show was created by, uh, by a woman, Melissa Rosenberg, and it's written by women. And the producers, seven out of 13 of them are women. And the only men that are on there are people like Stanley and Joe Caseta, who are literally just like character consultants because they wrote the comics. So if seven out of 13 are women and there's only two men, that only equals nine people. No, I said like Stanley and Joe Caseta because those are two people on the producer's end. The other ones are people who have worked in the comics and work as consultants on the character, okay. which I said, but you didn't pay attention to. You just saw math. He was like, that doesn't make no sense. I <laughs> need my math to make sense. Exactly. No, it, I just put those two names because those are two really big powerhouses that work on producing and consulting the majority of TV shows and television shows. Because obviously, Stan Lee has had to cancel multiple appearances and doesn't have time to actually oversee a production project like this, but he does get producing credits. Um, but when it comes to the actual story research and stuff like that and portraying this stuff, it is in, by and large in the hands of women that are doing it. Um, the other people are mainly character consultants. Um, so in the show, I do want to bring up two characters outside of Jessica because we get the introduction to Luke Cage. Um, I actually think that this is my favorite characterization of Luke Cage because you get angry Luke Cage. Like, you get pure, angry Luke Cage avenging the death of his wife um, yeah. and trying to. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's a side that we don't see in any other Luke Cage version. And it's, and it's not a diss on the character, but it's a very different characterization from Jessica Jones to Luke Cage's his solo series. Um, but that does have to come into play with what he learns and what he experiences going through Kilgrave because Luke Cage doesn't leave Kilgrave unscathed. Um, because essentially Kilgrave says oh you had sex with Jessica I love Jessica now I'm going to brainwash you into ruining her life Um, and he has to do that and he he has no option not to Um, and then you have Trish Walker who I mentioned briefly Um, she is a reference to the character of Hellcat Um, and Trish Walker um, takes the place of Carol Danvers like I said earlier and she's really freaking dynamic um, and there's a, there's a season where she actually risks, risks her life to save Jessica um, from Nuke, who is another character in there, by taking um, kind of like a, it's like a super soldier pill. It like heightens everything, but you need to have a downer in order to take it without getting hurt. And so what she does is she takes the upper, fights because she's been training herself because she's paranoid as all hell. Like she has a panic room and shit. Um, but she didn't have the strength to take him on. Takes the pill fights him, and then immediately drops into, like, oh my god, I'm having a heart attack. Um, But she's a really good character, like, all around, and she does get to shine in different aspects, but she's kind of, like, Jessica's grounding force to not really losing a hold on things, Um, especially when it's really easy. And she's one of the first people to actually believe that Kilgrave is there and is real um, because Trish actually calls him out on the radio. Kilgrave ends up scaring Trish extremely bad, just because um, he didn't like what she said and he ends up sending um, police over to kill her um, because he's brainwashed them. 
So it, it there's a lot going on. There are a lot of really great characters in the show, but I wanted to highlight those two just because Jessica Jones, like the majority of the, of the Netflix shows, do have great side characters with some really great stories, and I think it actually lands stronger than some of the other shows. Um, it also only has one villain. It's the only Marvel Netflix show that has one villain. It's also true. But I kind of want to make a counter-argument that it has two villains, and one of them is actually Jessica herself. Ooh. I can't argue Ooh. against that because there's this ep- there's an episode in the middle where she has the realization that she isn't that she isn't actually able to be controlled by Kilgrave, and then her entire dynamic changes, and then it changes even more when the woman she's trying to protect sees like so essentially Jessica's Jones her her switch gets flipped to, into action because she comes face to face with a woman who went through the same thing that she did. Up until that point, Jessica just pretended like it didn't happen. She drank, she pushed it away, she didn't process it, and um, until she saw, like, pretty much, like, she bore that guilt. Um, and so that that girl that she's been trying to protect saw this and just, like, killed herself and said, now you can kill him. I'm out of the way. I don't need his confession. And then that's when Jessica's like, well okay, guess we're going to kill Kilgrave. Um, so that that's kind of a, a valid argument, I would say. But definitely doesn't have the whole two different people. Well, yeah. But wait, there's more. There's <laughs> the Trish. I don't know, I like Trish. I like Luke Cage. Trinity? Yes. <laughs> Trinity also does make her first appearance here. Um, that's the, the, the lawyer that she works with. Who I don't know the actress's real name, but she was Trinity in the in the, in the Matrix. That is her name. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> I freaked out when I saw it. I was like, yeah. "Babe, babe, look away! <laughs> I haven't seen her in anything in years, but here she is." Um, and I do want to say too. Um, I know Adrian, you binge watched it, um, but I binge watched it for the first time this week in preparation for this episode, um, and it is really hard to get through. Like, it is, it's pretty heavy, like, from episode one all the way out. Um, there's a lot of really deep emotional stuff going on, and there's a lot of, like... Sometimes you've got to run before you can walk. Thank you, Tony! <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, if you're new to the show um, and you want to watch the first season, I would advise watching it over, like, the course of a few days. Um, give yourself some time to kind of like decompress. Um, but from Adrian's perspective, oh, I just binged it. <laughs> uh, I think that just comes from just different experiences. Like I'm, I'm just a heterosexual male who just wants to see stuff happen. Um, no, I, I, I binged it, but I kind of um, my wife and I binged it just because we couldn't like we just had to know what happened next. Yeah, like Kilgrave was just so compelling as a not very nice person. And the Luke Cage stuff was awesome. I liked Trish like learning how, how to fight and stuff. And I was like, oh. And I started like looking stuff up like on the background of the character. I was like, oh my god, she might be Hellcat Live. Like she might actually be fighting stuff. Like, and I was just totally compelled and like enthralled in, in, in the show. And I just had we just had to finish it. But I can understand from my like, Kate's perspective for sure. Like if you think that you might have trouble like watching stuff that we just talked about. Um, in one sitting, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> probably do three episodes at a time. Yeah. Um, I will say this though: she throws a lot of people through walls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's basically kind of all she does. 
Like, I like Jessica Jones, but she is not a good fighter. No. Like, if someone just teaches her how to fight, unstoppable. Easily the best defender. Like, if she just learns... She's also drunk for 90% yeah. of all her encounters. There's, dr- there, there's drunken fists. She can learn drunken fists <laughs> from somebody. I'm sure... Not Danny Rand. I'm sure Danny Rand knows some drunken fist masters out there somewhere <laughs> with all of his brooding. And it also, like, makes, like... I, this is slightly off topic, but, like, it also makes, like, Iron, like, iron Fist brooding just so much... Like, unnecessary garbage. Like, stop brooding, dude. Like, Jessica Jones need to tell you what she's been through over yeah. the course of a season. <laughs> yeah. So you can stop brooding and acting like the world hates you, you rich boy. Ugh. I hate Iron Fist. And then Luke Cage was an experiment. Matt Murdock's dad was a gambler. Yeah. He lost his sight. Yeah. And Iron Fist ended up in a, in a place that he ended up being the best person at. Yeah. And then he came back to a whole bunch of money. And he still brooded all through Defenders. But he's the immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> oh, is that who he is? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. You only had to say it six times an episode. I still liked him more than I did Luke Cage in the Defenders. That's a different argument for a different Yeah. Time. Yeah. But I you, think... you can go check out our Defenders yeah. review yeah. where we talk about all these things and the characters. Yeah, but I think Kate's point on like Luke Cage being different, it kind of reminds me of like how I like... T'Challa better in uh, Civil War than I do in the new Black Panther movie, but I think it's only because like he's like more like this world and like wants to get revenge. I don't know why that's so compelling to me for, to yeah. see people want like get their because they, they just like they throw care to the wind. They're not yeah. thinking about consequences. And they're not thinking about anything. They just want to settle that vendetta. So the only things I have seen of the show is basically the episodes with Luke Cage in the hospital getting shot and a whole thing in a series of that. Yeah, and just from that. He does seem more intriguing compared yeah. to his show wasn't bad, but the Defenders. I yeah, think no, it's he, he is a badass. In and another reason why I was like, oh, I hope they get together yeah. because they're doing it and they're throwing each other around. This is crazy. And they're breaking beds. Yeah, this is nuts. Uh, but their, their fight scene is actually really good. Like they yeah. throw each other through numerous walls. Like it, it's really good. He's just a guy just trying to live his life, man, in the little bar thing. And, and like, is... and the way it's written too, like you know that Kill that Kilgrave is making him do this, but the entire time they're fighting, Kilgrave's talking through a microphone, and he's reminding Jessica that she killed his wife, and this is probably coming from a real place. So he does nothing but make her feel like shit. Yeah. Which is a regular tactic. Yeah. Police tactic. Pretty so. Good. Yeah, you should at least watch like the Luke Cage arc. Towards the end, yeah. like, when you see, like, the, the story start tying in, because it then ties into, like, the Luke Cage mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah. basically, Marvel knew what they were doing when they made Jessica Jones. They, they, they had plans. Yeah. It ties in really well to his, his show, because mm-hmm. you understand why he doesn't want to do anything. Because his strength literally got used to destroy a whole bunch of shit. Um, so... I want to work in fan, but why those here? For the show, um, and I do want to send a giant thank you to the Dave and Comic Book family. As always, um, search that hashtag, go to the website, juvencomic.com. They came out for, I think, the most fan, but why those we've ever gotten for an episode um, we got for this one. Um, so from at task versus the world, 
Um, he says the Netflix MCU deals with social issues. Superheroes can not only show us cool scenes, but teach us about ourselves in a way that no other media can. To me, Jessica Jones is about surviving abuse and about the nature of abuse itself, including how people become an abusers, which is a nice call out to the compellingness that you noted for Kilgrave in the show. Um, next from at JD Scrogan or Scrogan. I apologize. Scrogan? Scrogan? JD Scrogan? JD Scrogan. That sounds like a superhero. That does, that does sound like a superhero. Um, um, so at JD Scroggin, um, I first read I read the first volume of Alias for the first time this past weekend, and it gave me even a greater appreciation for the show, which nails the tone and characterization of Jessica perfectly. Not if you listen to Geek History Lesson. Um, at Cat Loves Film says, I haven't been able to get that season one scene where she can no longer be controlled by Kilgrave out of my mind since I saw it. It was so powerful, and I think of it each time my own PTSD flares up again. From at Baby Grotesque, watch J- wa- uh, watching, Je- uh, watching Jessica Jones literally changed my life because for the first time I got to see a real version of myself on TV. Not a princess, not a hero, real and fucking hurting. Representation matters, but unfortunately, sometimes it comes in the form of auditory hallucinations. And that is a callback to a lot of um, Jessica's PTSD, which involves getting put right back into the situation where um, she was last with Kilgrave. Um, So as we move through, and I talked a lot about this on our Marvel Netflix episode, um, so just to kind of expand... One of the largest reasons that Jessica Jones resonates with a lot of people, and particularly women, talking about her abuse or survival, her trauma, and really how the show showcases PTSD. And we also talked about how it happens in like a specifically like male and military con- con- context with The Punisher when we did his review show, um, as well as his character episode um, from the comics. And for her, this really defines her as a character. She has. What the show does really well with her dynamic, I don't want to call it a relationship, but her dy- dynamic with Kilgrave is that you see him exhibiting all of what happens when you're in an abusive relationship. He isolates her from everybody around her. Um, he literally kills everybody around her um, and makes it believe that it's her fault. Um, he contains her to where she really can't move without him knowing. Um, he threatens her. He uses language of love. Um, You know, Kilgrave ultimately always says that he loves Jessica. And that's why he's doing this. Um, Which um, the comics also reinforce. Um, And then gaslighting, which is a word that gets thrown around a lot. um, But I don't know if people necessarily know what that means. Gaslighting is literally, um, in Jessica's case, where she says, you made me kill, you know, you made me kill... um, Reva, which is Luke Cage's wife, and he says, oh, I didn't make you kill her. I told you to take care of her. You chose to kill her yourself. Um, and it's a lot of every time Jessica is telling him what's happening, he's pushing back. Um, and so when she's, he, and there's another instance that kind of like hit me in the gut where he tells her, I gave you everything. And she's like, you gave me nothing but shame. And so like, there's a lot of this dynamic in her working through, and you get to see really i mean they are really hyperbolic in you know he convinces people to kill themselves to get a lot of this done 
Um, but the root of what he's doing is really what you of what you can see in somebody who's going through this personally. Um, and through his victims, you end up seeing really different ways that people deal with trauma. So everybody that Kilgrave ends up touching the show ends up diving into how they deal with it. Um, the antithesis, or like the, the other side of the coin to Jessica is Nuke. Um, he's supposed to be Nuke from the comics, um, but his name he's his Officer Simpson, who initially comes to kill uh, Trish, and he thinks that he kills her, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And so he ends up showing back up, trying to break down the door and find the body. Um, but when he's told that, oh, no, she's alive, he ends up getting into a relationship with her. Um, and then he ultimately ends up on this giant quest to kill Kilgrave. But he ends up killing innocent people along the way. Um, just brute force, nothing else matters but killing him. And that's how he processes it. Um, whereas for her she feels it because she is trying to protect everybody around her. Um, so as a sexual assault survivor, and um, if you want to hear more about this, I do talk about it in our Marvel Netflix episode. Like I said, um, she deals with a lot of PTSD episodes. Um, and when this happens, they show her using um, not not medicine, because she, she medicates herself with alcohol, but um, they actually research ways, and it's called grounding, and grounding is what happens when you have an anxiety attack, a panic attack, um, or an episode of PTSD, um, you know, flaring up, where you ground yourself to your situation, and so she, you know, she mocks it and says, all that therapist gave me was my childhood street names, but every time she's having a flashback, she automatically starts repeating her street names says one then goes out of street goes out of street goes out of street until she's taken out of it and put back into the world and you end up seeing this really great scene where she's talking with um with hope who's the woman who called this to her attention who is also in her same position um where hope is freaking out and hope just doesn't know what to do and it's right after she's told um trish this doesn't work why you know it's just a street name and she ends up saying hey no where did you grow up now go out of street. And she ends up walking her through that. And that was something that the showrunners looked into to make sure that they were representing the treatment and the self-treatment and grounding methods that are used in it. Um, so I thought that that was something like really important to really, to highlight, because a lot of thought went into how do we talk about this and how do we showcase it in a way that isn't just somebody making something up off of broad stereotypes. Um, so ultimately, you end up having her having this triumph over Kilgrave. Um, she captures him and tortures him, um, and she ultimately kills him. Um, and so she's able to face her abuser and take that step and make sure he can't hurt anybody else. And this is obviously not like an advocate. Like, it, it's, it's a superhero show, so not everybody should go out and kill people. Um, so she's able to have that triumph over her abuser and it's her, and it's, it's when she's presented, she's not presented as whole. Like she doesn't kill Kilgrave and all of a sudden she's happy and the world's good again. She's still messed up and she still has to work through these problems that, 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 but that was a step towards getting healthy and dealing with this. So this is one of the really like groundbreaking and unique things about the show. It's something that resonated with so many people, and it's something that is very reflective in the comment, uh, very reflected in the comics, 
and what differentiates a lot of the violence in Jessica Jones from any other Mar Marvel Netflix series is that the, the violence she faces is very personal and it's intimate violence. It's not the Daredevil hallway scene. It's not it's not Luke Cage. It's not Defenders. It, it's none of that. Um, so there's a very personal level. So for the fan, but why those well, here? Before we get into fan, but why those? This whole thing kind of like like this whole show and shows all this trauma everything is kind of what makes me upset with Marvel in which not that he did kind of makes me upset with Marvel and kind of more of them like why Disney and Marvel just skipped over Hank Pym yes and they don't actually address any of the problems I know we have the new movie coming out and I know it's a little thing but just the fact that they're willing to do this and show so much well fact that they do not go into all the problems they literally skip all of Hank Pym and what he deals with with the original Wasp yeah. and it kind of bugs me that they don't actually did anything with that because yeah. like to put some context to it like Hank Pym um, the first Ant-Man and his and his wife Janet Van Dyne Hank, Hank Pym goes through a mental breakdown in which he hits um, Janet Van Dyne um, and he, he abuses her and that is a storyline that a lot of people like to forget. Um, but I, I do agree. I think the way Jessica Jones handles it um, is something that can be used as a model to actually having that processed. Uh, we didn't get it. Obviously. Um, but we also don't know what we're going to get because Janet Van Dyne is going to be in this next episode. So they may bring in that dynamic with them. We don't know um, because we do know from the first Ant-Man that Hope does hate her father. Um, we don't really know. We don't a lot get of that why. because he didn't create Ultron, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's also easier to do something like that over thirteen episodes than it is. For exactly. Well, well, uh, well, I guess that's whole. I guess that's also true. But I guess the fact they've literally ignored that whole entire yeah. thing. And know? this is also like Marvel's other, other than the Punisher. Until the Punisher came, this is yeah. probably the most hard R ratings for a show that it has. Yes. Like even over Daredevil, um, just because of what they show. So I don't actually. I think. If they had writers that cared, they can do an arc. They could have done an arc like that well with Hank, but I think Adrian is right to actually unpack Janet's side. To actually unpack Janet's side and what she's going through, you need more than a movie. Yeah, unless you're to make like the movie about Hank Pym, which they didn't do, so it's probably like why. But which maybe, bugged maybe. me why I won't watch that yeah. movie. Yeah, I refuse to watch it. But that it's movie. a fantastic movie. It's good. It's a good heist movie. It's it's a it's good, good movie. It's, it's good. one of my favorite solos. I know it's not obviously Jessica Jones, but I know it's kind of the same trauma yeah. of him having this entire completely mental breakdown and why we get this whole Jessica Jones arc and great stuff. But they couldn't do it with Wasp. They literally ignore and act like this part never existed. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. And he's get movies and they yeah. completely act but like I also, but I, also think, but I also think the difference is, though, like Jessica Jones's character is rooted in this right. from all parts, whereas that's just a piece of Hank Pym's story. Correct, but unfortunately it's also what he's best known for at this point. Yeah, which is why they went with Scott Lang. Yeah, but exactly, yeah, no, exactly it, the point. Yeah, no, it, it, it is a big loop, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I think the way the reason the Marvel Netflix universe and the MCU will never be together is because of the difference in tone well, from the two. Yeah. Like the Marvel Netflix universe takes like like kind of like Task said in his in his fan, but why though? It takes these real social issues and unpacks them and showcases them. Um, which isn't, it's just not something you get in the MCU. Those are superhero movies, first and foremost. Um, and then Civil War comes in and punches you in the heart. 
Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, now to the fan, but why those? Yeah, so for this, um, we have a whole bunch of fan, but why those? I'll be putting them up on the website. So thank you for sharing your stories and contributing um, because these are really deep. Um, so from at Lizzie Lynn Garcia, um, Jessica Jones matters to me because she showed how women accurately deal with PTSD and sexual assault. Jessica Jones is not perfect. She's highly flawed and she's dealing with her demons the best she can and I love her for it. Um, at Sekra underscore XP, as an abuse survivor with PTSD, I can relate to her struggles. I see myself being the reluctant hero that she is. I cope with anxiety every day. The show hit me really hard and was hard to watch, but it's my favorite. She makes me not feel so alone. At Ursat's Ash, one of our bloggers, um, for but why though podcast.com, make sure you check that out. She actually has an awesome uh, article about her worries about Janet Van Dyne. Which is also, shout out to you movie. why I thought of this. Because <laughs> she really wanted this episode. And also, she's a big fan of Janet. Yeah, because Janet is Jessica in the way that she really overcomes everything. Yes. So, um, yeah. So she says, I read Alias when I was 14, and it was one of the things that taught me how to empathize with people who had experienced abuse and helped me cope with my own abuse. It's still my favorite comic to this day. She wasn't okay for most of the book, but in the end, she faces her abuser head on and makes a better life for herself and her family. I also want to say in the comic, and I don't know why I left this out, but she beats the crap out of Kilgrave, and she kills him. I think that was kind of assumed. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in in the show, she snaps his neck. After yeah, you said he, you, you said that he tort that he tortures her, or like yeah, you, I think you mentioned it at some point. Yeah. Um, so at CJ, from at CJ the architect, Jess stands out to me because she is a good example of what PTSD and grief can will do to a person. You can't snap your fingers and get over it. You have to learn to live with those scars. At Angel T18, Jessica Jones has taught me that even as messed up as I am, that it's okay that even if I'm damaged to hell and back from PTSD, that doesn't mean I'm broken so long as I get back up. From At Real Comics, everyone has spoken so well about the PTSD and being the survivor, so I'll hit on another angle. The comic was outstanding. First, those MAC watercolor covers set a mood. Then inside, some of the um, BMB, and he's, a, he's referring to uh, Brent Bendis here. Um, some of BMB's best writing. I consider it the gem of the Max imprint. The Purple Man was and is one of the most frightening villains I have ever I have ever encountered in a comic book. Jess is gritty, unapologetic, and tough as nails. It's o it's also the start of her and Luke, one of the most realistic relationships in comics. Then came the show, and I rarely say this, but it was even better. The way they represented her struggles was raw and at times unwatchable because it was so real. If you can't guess, if you can't guess, I consider it one of the best live-action things Marvel has ever produced. From at Dragonfire XL17, Jessica Jones is the perfect example of dealing with and facing your PTSD. She also puts her family first, even going against her husband if it means a better life for her daughter. But also, she isn't afraid to call bullshit either. You can't, you can't pretend with Jessica Jones. From at Cheryl Gustafson, she's a beautiful, complicated survivor who does not adopt a Pollyanna sunshine and light. I'm lucky to be alive. Attitude in the face of her trauma. Violence done to her left scars. She wears them like a leather jacket in plain view and at all times. She's real. She's she's real and flawed and that's okay. And this is like the biggest part 
of her. And this this is me talking now, I'm not a fan, but why those? But that's the other biggest but why though is that she's real. Um, she's not perfect. Um, and a lot of the times our heroes are perfect. And they're expected to be perfect. Um, and a lot of the times women are expected, um, both in comic books and outside and even just like any media. Like it's a trope, right? Like something bad happens to a woman. She fights it, overcomes it. She's strong, never thinks about it again. Um, at least in like bad writing. Um, but good writing actually has somebody grow, learn, and adapt and survive that process. Um, so on that note, from at Prairie Flocks, she is imperfect. She never looked like so many of the other women in comics, never acted like them. She exhibits raw, violent emotion and power, but she evolves, she heals, she confronts, she is real. From at Witty Reviewer, I love that her life is I love that her life is messy, that she doesn't have the answers, that she tries to be a hero, a wife, and a mother, and while not always being the best, always gives her best. Also, she curses more than I do, and I fucking love to curse. A fighter, a survivor, and a hero. From at Wild Young Charm, I've always liked Jessica Jones because she's, in, because she's perfectly imperfect. She's been through some serious trauma, and she understandably hurt, angry, impulsive, and a complete mess because of it. That said, she's also a survivor who is a fiercely loyal and protective of those she loves. From at TJ Sferdvan? Shepherd? Shepherd Van? At TJ Shepherd Van? Um, because she shows being angry and damaged doesn't mean you need to be warped and cruel. I love Madden Gao's title for her, The Unyielding Woman. As she stands, so shall I. From at, y, at, from at Ivy Wall, Ritz, a guest on our podcast we had for our Black Panther stuff and our Star Wars Last Jedi review. Um, he says, uh, Jessica Jones matters to me because she's real. She isn't picturesque. She's flawed. She has a set of skills we don't often see in women characters, and she isn't the typical sex symbol. I love the heavy dose of reality her stories bring to Marvel. And finally, from at Ladies of Comics, she shows reality. She isn't the typical female superhero. Her life doesn't revolve around being superpowered. You can see in her every flaw a woman can have, and she's a great mom. So yeah, we got a crap ton of fan, but why those? Um, and we probably could have just done the episode just listing what they said. Um, Very true. Because <laughs> I can't say it better. I mean, yeah, I totally identify with a lot of what those said, and I think that's why Jessica Jones really struck me as one of the best shows on Netflix. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to talk a little bit, just give a little bit of background on Kilgrave. And end on the villain, um, just because I know those fan, but why those were amazing, but also a little bit heavy. Um, some funny things about Kilgrave. Um, he escapes Marvel's version of Arkham a crap ton of times. And he is actually older than Jessica Jones because he was an existing Daredevil um, villain. Um, in the comics, he is actually purple. <laughs> um, he doesn't show up. Other than in, fan, in other than in flashbacks and Alias, except for the last four issues, um, oh yeah, and he initially started out as a spy who was out to steal nerve gas. The prototype nerve gas interacted with him and it gave him his powers. Obviously, is a completely different origin story in the show, where he was a child who was experimented, experimented on and essentially like emits a virus, and it's like a virus that you get. And that's what makes you do um, what he says. Um, and 
I can't decide who scares me more if it's Kilgrave or Billy Russo. Those are my like two top people for like villains in the Netflix universe. And I don't know which one scares me more. Oh, Kilgrave, 100%. Billy Russo is kind of just like, well, I don't want to like spoil anything for Punisher, but like he's just, he, he's just kind of a jerk, like to his mom and stuff, and he just likes money. Kilgrave like makes people do stuff like that's messed up that's messed up so I'm gonna make the counter argument that it's Billy Russo only because he doesn't have the power to make everybody do what he wants and he's still super manipulative and messed up yeah but he plays like a pawn in most of like the he manipulates the crap out of Mimdani from the very beginning is it worse than Kilgrave though I don't know. He gave her a bath. No, he gave her a no, no. So, so, like, so, well, no, her, no. So, so this is why I have a hard time because I cringe. Like, I get really uncomfortable in a lot of. I guess so. Like, Kilgrave will probably be like my like the worst villain, as in like the best worst villain because he scares me the most. But I see a lot of that reflected in Billy Russo, specifically in how he interacts with Mim Donnie. Like, specifically that bathtub scene. Like, I had to turn that off after watching that. Because it, it just... it, Yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> like no, one I'm bathtub not... scene compared to, like, all the stuff that you just listed yeah. off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, entirely. I guess to me it's one of those, like... Obviously, he doesn't have the powers or anything to basically yeah. touch and do the damage that Kilgrave does. Like, but Billy... what he's able to do with basically nothing other than just, like what he yeah. looks like because like I, I think i said this in like a chat i had with somebody and i was like i think bill like, it was right after i watched the punisher and i think billy russo scares me more because i can actually encounter a billy russo in real life yeah well i mean that's a different question entirely well i guess i know it is but yeah. i mean if we're talking about like obviously who's gonna do more damage a person with powers but as far as yeah. like who would actually <laughs> so Kilgrave... do something in best villain per se like for not having anything other and obviously being a pawn billy russo pretty messed up yeah i will say this though we get to see kilgrave's powers grow from just being able to tell somebody to being able to do it over airwaves um and you see him get stronger um and he tells an entire hospital to kill jessica or to capture jessica i mean that was all just like a setup for like billy russo to be like the villain in the next one so like are we really gonna get that kind of billy russo again He's ugly now. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I mean, we'll have to see, obviously. Uh, yeah. It's like I mean, Kilgrave was like more compelling. Like, I wanted him to die a lot more than I wanted Billy Russo to die. That's kind of how I judge my villains. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't you want... You want that villain to die. Because I didn't want Billy Russo to die till the end. Kilgrave, yeah. the moment exactly I found saying. out what he did to Jessica, I was like, no, Yeah, that's what I'm you. saying. Like, Billy Russo, kind of like, you kind of see him being a jerk, like, towards the end. And they're like, oh, he's the other villain. Oh. <laughs> But, like, at the moment you see Kilgrave, you're like, no, that guy is a terrible, terrible, scary person. Which is, unfortunately, because of that whole other villain thing, he doesn't get to do. Because, literally, that mom scene, literally, if they expand on that a little bit or show that, then you're you're like... No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you you got, you know, more episodes of Billy Russo acting like that, then, yeah, probably Billy Russo is probably more scary, but... He made him shoot himself in the face. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean, obviously, he doesn't have he the made, powers. Well, the, okay, he so made him Frank... try to kill him and his <laughs> wife and stuff. It's just messed up. It, he's messed up. So, like, first he tells Luke Cage to blow up his bar with himself in it, and he loves the bar. Yeah, he loves. The, he, and he to make sure was... that Jessica watches, and then he has Luke Cage 
pretty much inform on Jessica and call him back and say everything. And then he recites the apology that Luke Cage says to her for calling her a piece of shit because Kilgrave actually put that apology in his mouth. Basically, if Billy Russo had Purple Man powers, he would be doing the same thing. Yeah. I think that's why the Purple Man yeah. is cooler because he does it already. Like, I don't yeah. know, like if I don't know, I don't know. Obviously, it's just it is. They're both yeah. very good. Yeah, but. they're both very scary. They're all both <laughs> better than anything that Daredevil gave us because other than Kingpin, Kingpin's really good. But other than that, like, well, what other villains do we have compared to? Unless it's not even bringing up Iron Fist. Yeah, I didn't even finish it. It's pretty bad, pretty terrible. <laughs> I hate you, Joy. <laughs> Joy Meacham's awful. Um, but yeah, so that I mean, that's really all I have. Do you all have any like last minute questions or anything? Um, that that's pretty the, the I think I covered a lot. Um, I hope I got it all right. Like I said, I haven't read anything outside Alias, and I read Alias a pretty long time ago. Um, so if I got anything wrong, let me know and at me. Yeah, I mean, I think you covered a lot. Um, I still like Punisher more, but I think that's just kind of like personal experience kind of yeah. stuff, and um, what I, I mean, I just I'm more attracted. I'm, I'm I find you know the vendetta killed family thing for me personally is like more compelling because like that that's what I would do. Like if I was if yeah. I had like Punisher powers, that's what, or not even powers. If I was like dude who could shoot stuff really good, that's what I would be doing. Yeah, uh, Punisher powers. <laughs> Punisher powers. <laughs> Is shooting stuff bullets. real good. <laughs> bullets, <laughs> bullets and guns. I think that's what we attributed his powers on in, in the Punisher episodes. Just blowing stuff up really good. Um, no, he does not like bombs. Or blowing stuff up no, internally. Bombs aren't precise. Blowing stuff up eternally with bullets because you know the heart <laughs> explodes when you shoot it. Um, yeah, I just find that more compelling. But I still like Jessica Jones. I think Jessica Jones probably after this episode, like Jessica Jones, probably passes Daredevil for me. Daredevil season one for me. So like Punisher and then Daredevil, or Punisher and then Jessica Jones and then Daredevil season one, just because of this episode itself. Yay! Yay! Good job. <laughs> I thought it was Arrow season four. <laughs> Jessica, wait, Arrow season four, Arrow season three, unknown show, <laughs> random NBC comedy that got canceled, and then Jessica Jones. Is that not how it goes? Did I get this right? <laughs> hate that podcast <laughs> but uh no like obviously can't relate to some of the stuff with the show I mean she's obviously a very compelling and people actually really love her and obviously for being a very new character yeah from, especially for what they chose as being a new character so they definitely when they chose selected her for this uh for this show they obviously out of their whole entire roster they chose somebody who's it Relatively yeah. new, only has two series. Because there are quite a few heroes in New York that they could have gone with. Oh, there's, I mean, whether you want to do New York or just anything, they could have done pretty much whatever they wanted to, but they selected her, and they did it yeah, very, very well. It's a good D-list character to make start your universe. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently. <laughs> D-list ca- characters just, I can't be getting anything. Continue. To me, I always haven't seen all the show, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, and probably maybe a little bit like an episode or two. Just never, never got around to watching. <laughs> well, season two is coming out, so maybe I can convince you to get in on it. Yeah, I mean, I think you should watch it for the podcast. Uh, well, I can watch it for the podcast. I'm just talking about <laughs> like for your own watching, really. 
Uh, I think you'd like the villain. I think you'd like not like you like. Oh, Kilgrave is awesome. I want to be just like Kilgrave. But like, yeah. I think you would like. Which is also also worrying because everybody keeps telling me that. Which is like your favorite character is going to be the villain in all this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't what say favorite character. No, so no, what no. no. Say okay. about me, it's so, the so, so, I would say intriguing. So this. So first off, your favorite character shouldn't be a racist or a rapist. Yeah. Second off, you can really think he's intriguing and a very good villain. Yeah, because exactly. he's so bad. That's what I need. Uh, I think I think you'd like Kilgrave as a villain. Uh, the Luke Cage stuff is really is really good. I think that's like a better. If, and if it you, gives you the Luke Cage you've yeah, been wanting. Yeah, exactly. Like if you didn't like the Luke Cage and like the Luke Cage show, I bet you would like this. Luke so Cage. I didn't mind the Luke Cage and the Luke show. Cage but you didn't show. like the Defenders one. Defenders, yeah, Defenders one is awful. Yeah, but this Luke Cage. This is the complete opposite of yeah, that one. This, right. g- this gives you a really good Luke yeah. Cage, and it gives you some background story stuff that goes into the Luke yeah. Cage. Because you have I to remember too, like in Defenders, he went back to jail and just got out, and kind of yeah. doesn't go back there. Yeah. Which the only thing that bugged me about that was she wasn't that bad, but I was hoping that watching Defenders, I'd get a com- appealing like, all right, I yeah. really like her character. Let's have her see how well she shines. Yeah. I want to go watch this episode. And I kind of didn't get that from her. Well, I, I think that I think that it's just obviously kind of... way better than Luke Cage. Yeah. And Iron Fist is just Iron Fist out there just swinging, yelling, "I'm the immortal Iron <laughs> Fist." But well, no, so I think what they did with that is like like thinking about Defenders in retrospect. I think that that season that season of Defenders is so much focused on Daredevil and Iron Fist, and so Luke and Jessica are kind of in the background a lot of the time. So you See, just get I get these... that, except for the fact that when they had chances to say things, yeah, they didn't want to do anything. Well, I think I think she said what she wanted to say because Jessica ultimately doesn't want to get involved with this. Like she really doesn't want to get involved in superhero business because, like, kind of like how I explained, like, because well, because even in the show they they say that she was a superhero before, and I that she's this. left it. So. I see what you're saying. You're just like looking for some compelling stuff to think that like, oh, her character's great, but we don't get enough of it compared to like what she just talked about. Right. But you'll get that if you watch the Exactly. (laughs) And you'll get the Luke Cage you like. Yeah. (laughs) Which he's actually in a surprising amount of shows. Like going back and rewatching it, I did not realize how many episodes he's in. Yeah, he's in a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's in a bunch. Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. And then after rewatching it, I think that Jessica Jones and Daredevil writing wise are the best. Oh, no, no, Jessica Jones and Punisher, not Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Jessica Jones and Punisher are writing wise the best of Marvel on Netflix. Um, and I think it's totally like an accurate assessment. You should be like, I identify with this one, so I'll put this one ab- above it because I put Jessica Jones above it, especially after this rewatch, because I see so much in my of myself in how she's coping and dealing with stuff. So like. But Punisher's right up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like <laughs> yeah. Punisher's like on some like pedestal for me, and then like Jessica Jones is way down here. Yeah, with Iron they're, Fist. they're like, like <laughs> no, no, no. Is Arrow season four? <laughs> <laughs> uh, subtweeting in a podcast. This is what it sounds like. Um, yeah, and then but like on just like fight choreography and stuff. Daredevil season one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Daredevil season one might be on that pedestal for me. I'm not taking it down for a while. Oh, Punisher's really good. Punisher <laughs> gives you way cooler fight scenes. So I think that's it. I mean, I think it's great. You should check it out. I'm really hyped for season two. Um, I will say this, though. 
Jessica Jones is a show that hits running and doesn't stop, and it has a full arc and it doesn't fall off in the third act. Because you have to run before you can walk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony. And on that note, um, so you can find the podcast at But Why Though PC on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on patreon.com slash But Why Though PC if you want to, you know, support us a little bit more. And for that, you get access to our episodes a day to two days early, as well as our research notes. And at the three do- and that's at $1. And at $3, you get access to exclusive review episodes, which are picked by our $10 patrons. And for $10, you can send us to the movies. You pick the movie. We watch the movie. We make an episode just for you. So as... Um, so, before you turn off your phone and go back to your work, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere where they allow you to do that. It helps other people find us, and we want to hear all your feedback and reviews. You can find me on Twitter, at OhMyMythRandir, and on Instagram, at OhMyMythRandir, as well. You can see pics of my dog, Adrian. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E. R-R-U-I-Z-93. Defending John Barenthal's honor. Yeah. We're, we're about to get into this. <laughs> Find our poll that I'm going to put out here in five seconds. <laughs> you might have to scroll back a little bit. <laughs> on our feed to find it. Matt? And you can find me at the Lanita's Bed and Breakfast. <laughs>